Good morning from the Financial Times. Today is Thursday, March 26th, and this is your FT News Briefing. Late on Wednesday night, the Senate kept Americans waiting for an agreement on the terms of a $2 trillion stimulus package. The FT's U.S. managing editor, Peter Spiegel, explains why there was such a holdup. And just a month ago, China was at the epicenter of the coronavirus outbreak. But now the economy is showing signs of life. James King will tell us how China could become a rare example of growth, while much of the rest of the world deals with a crisis. Plus, we'll look at why Ford has become a fallen angel in the credit markets and how the U.S. is ramping up pressure on Riyadh to end its oil price war. I'm Mark Filipino, and here's the news you need to start your day. Early on Wednesday morning, Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell said that's it. Democrats and his Republican Party had reached a stimulus deal. The marathon negotiations between him, Democratic Senate Minority Leader Chuck Schumer, and U.S. Treasury Secretary Steven Mnuchin had reached the end. But over the course of the day, it became clear that the deal still needed some hammering out. The FT's Peter Spiegel explains what's been agreed on and what's on the line. Everyone's focused on this concept of helicopter money. I mean, literally, they are going to give money to every American, basically focus on those sort of middle class and lower, $75,000 in income and lower, uh, $1,200 a piece. So that's just sort of give you some money, spend it, try to stimulate the economy through that way. So that's that's gotten a lot of the the, the headlines uh, of late. But obviously, there, there are two other things that are happening here. One is just bailouts for some of these big industries that have gone just sort of begging over the last few weeks as they've collapsed. The airlines, Boeing, hospitality industry, those kinds of things. Hospitals as well, obviously, because they've struggled to, to, to deal with, with the outbreak. And it's largely in loans, again, so they're not just sort of giving the money. And then there's a real focus on, on small businesses, too. There, there was a concern, particularly you know in 2008 with the big bailout, a lot of focus on the big banks, but not really on sort of the little guys. There's provisions in there to provide assistance to the Small Business Administration to help some of the, the, the smaller businesses as well. The thing that has become sort of a bit of the sticking point at the very end was unemployment insurance. Um, there was a provision in here to to extend unemployment insurance for, uh, for for workers in the U.S. This is, you know, unemployment in the U.S. is designed to get people back to work. So it's, it's time limited to say, hey, go get a job. You're not going to get this forever. It was not intended. It wasn't built for, for a pandemic. So they're going to extend the, the length of the time that people can remain out of work and, and collect unemployment insurance. And they've also added a bit more money on top of it. These are normally, in normal times, administered by state by state. So each state has its own unemployment insurance. The problem is some of these states have systems that only pay out, they're, they're slow, they're not computerized sometimes, they pay out over you know extended period of times. What the, what the federal government wanna do is, okay, let's give them money through the federal system that we can get them quickly. They want to be able to make sure that people who are getting laid off, maybe by the millions, because we're going to file on Thursday the new uh, employment numbers, the, the jobless claims, um, by the millions probably, in, in a in, in that, not seen since the 1920s, 1930s, making sure those people are getting money right away so they can pay their bills uh, when they lose their jobs. And as you say, that became the sticking point late into the night on Wednesday. Now, a stimulus deal, this is something that investors, not to mention Americans, worried about their jobs and well-being, have been keenly watching for, right? Well, so to, 
basically what we've seen on Wall Street is a huge rally, almost the closing bell, almost 5%, the S&P 500, which we watched the closest or the biggest benchmark. And remember Tuesday, where we had the biggest rise in the S&P 500 since the financial crisis. And the Dow actually, which we watched a little bit less, had its best day since the Great Depression. The last two days have been the best days in the market since the coronavirus created the lockdown. And that's really interesting in that we've had every central bank in the world pump a huge amount of liquidity in the system and the markets fell. So the fact that they are that the markets are looking to the federal government to stimulate the economy is really telling. That's what the markets are watching. The car industry is another business that's been hit by the outbreak. Carmakers have been forced to shutter their plants and, in the case of Ford and GM, draw down their emergency credit lines. But yesterday, Ford took another hit. The Detroit carmaker was stripped of its investment-grade credit rating. Now, Ford was borderline investment-grade before the pandemic, but ratings agencies Moody's and S&P Global noted that the company will have to burn through cash while its factories are closed, and that sales are expected to fall. The cut to Ford's ratings sent $36 billion of its debt right into the junk bond market on Wednesday. Ford's debt is the largest of any recent so-called fallen angel, that's the term given to companies that lose their coveted investment-grade credit rating. And it makes this the largest downgrade since 2005. That's when both Ford and General Motors were cut to junk. Credit experts say downgrades can be expected during an economic downturn. Now, according to official figures, China has managed to reduce the number of new cases of the coronavirus each day over the last week or so. There are some doubts over the veracity of these numbers, but the trend and loosening of restrictions has meant that the Chinese economy is starting to get back to work. James King, the FT's China editor, has more on what the return of the domestic economy could mean for the rest of the world. What we've begun to see, the Financial Times has actually come up with its own index to try to track this because it's of such importance to the global economy. The Chinese economy over the last few years contributed about 30% of the growth in the entire world. So tracking Chinese growth is crucially important. What we're finding is that in some areas we're seeing a measured recovery. So the amount of real estate being sold is coming back, traffic congestion Obviously, that's a measure of people coming back to work. That is climbing in most cities. But in other areas, such as box office admissions, uh, the number of people who go to the cinema is absolutely flat on its back. It's at zero, as it has been now for a couple of months at least. And you can imagine why. Nobody wants to go to the cinema to risk getting the virus again. Right, of course. And also another very weak area is container freight. We're not seeing much in the way of an improvement in imports and exports uh, from China. So the key point about this recovery is that it's come so much more quickly than a lot of people thought could happen. And it's come at a time when most of the rest of the world is experiencing a sharp escalation in the amount of uh, coronavirus cases. So what this could mean is that The Chinese economy could emerge now as a rare pole of growth in the second quarter of the year, and that could lay the foundations, as it were, for China to project a very different image to the world, an image of an assured country, a country with growth that can help other countries that are suffering and thereby boost its soft power. And now when it comes to goodwill, China has to dig itself out of a 
pretty big hole. As you've written, many people around the world blame China for helping make coronavirus such a potent threat. Yes, as you say, China has got a lot of ground to make up. A lot of people around the world blame China for not for obviously the outbreak of the virus, that's under nobody's control, but for the cover-up and the missteps that China showed during the early weeks of the virus's spread. The goodwill is really coming uh, in terms of shipments of masks and ventilators and even medical professionals. There are dozens of countries around the world that have taken the masks and ventilators. I believe most of these are donations. There has been some suggestion that some of them are not donations that they, they must be paid for. But I think in, in, in the main, they are donations. Italy, which has been particularly badly hit and with which China has a very strong relationship among countries in Europe. China's also sent about 300 emergency intensive care doctors to help with the problem over there. That is really the extent of the goodwill. Plus, there's all kinds of supporting statements from Chinese ambassadors all over the world. But absent from all of this is any mention of the United States. I'm pretty sure, unless I've missed something, that so far China has not sent any kind of relief to the U.S. in terms of medical equipment. You know, uh, until now, really, I think most people around the world would have assumed that when the world was in grave peril, such as now, the two superpowers, the rising superpower and the incumbent superpower, would work together for the sake of humanity. So um, this is a glaring omission in the way the world works. And Washington has made a direct appeal to Saudi Arabia to end its oil price war with Russia. Oil prices have been cut in half this month to close to $25 a barrel. That's the lowest they've been in 17 years. But this week, while in Riyadh for a meeting of G20 leaders, U.S. Secretary of State Mike Pompeo spoke with Crown Prince Mohammed bin Salman. According to the State Department, the secretary pressed Saudi Arabia to reassure global entry and financial markets in a time of serious economic uncertainty. The pressure from Washington comes as activities in the U.S. shale industry collapses, and the Trump administration weighs the prospect of widespread economic pain in America's oil-producing regions. You can read more on all of these stories at FT.com. This has been your daily FT News Briefing. Make sure you check back tomorrow for the latest business news. Did you know the Capital Ideas podcast now has a new monthly edition hosted by Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin? Through the words and experiences of investment professionals, you'll discover... Who was their best mentor? What's a mistake they made that changed their approach? And how do they find their next great idea? Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Published by American Funds Distributors, Inc. Hi, this is Janice Torres from Yo Quiero Dinero. From a local business to a global corporation, partnering with Bank of America gives your operation access to exclusive digital tools award-winning insights, and business solutions so powerful, you'll make every move matter. Visit bankofamerica.com slash bankingforbusiness to learn more. What would you like the power to do? Bank of America N.A. Copyright 2024.